Hello and welcome to So Bad It's Good, the movie podcast that once forgot to turn the volume up at the end of Lost in Translation. Once again, welcome to our latest episode. We're still on shuffle, racing through the classic genres, and this week it's the turn of superheroes. So far we've boxed off quip-singing action icons, iconic psychos, and you know, people who genuinely laud their superiority over anyone in various different ways. But now we're at the top of the power food chain. I'm Max, and at my side in our League of Justice for Trashy Films is my good friend Ash. Uh, you'll come to see that we're not ones for a cold open, so uh, on so bad it's good, uh, it's more of a warm-up spa. So before we get down to chatting films and discussing the supervillains and heroes um, of our youth, how's your week been, Ash? Uh, yeah, not bad. It's just the last stretch of a bit of studying, which was a bit annoying, really. Because uh, the past few days, I've, I've needed to like knuckle down. I sort of left left a few bits last minute, and needed like a proper peace, quiet, ultimate, like um, corned off sort of zone to myself to study. And the fellow where I am in this little room, it backs onto like the garden at the back of us. And the fellow recently, uh, the dad, has discovered the fact that. Bearing in mind, we live, there's loads of birds around where we are. It's full of birds because uh, it's like a park at the back. So it's, it's quite nice. Sometimes nice, sometimes a bit annoying, but full of birds, full of bird song all the time. And the dad's finally clicked on to the fact that if you make like whistling noises, it sounds as if the birds are replying to what you're saying. <laughs> so he'll do. So it started off like, like on Friday, like, he was impressing his kids, he's got two kids, so he's impressing the kids, and he's, he's doing like, and then next minute, lo and behold, because the birds are constantly making noise, uh, a bird replies, but and so he thinks he's now in dialogue with the birds, uh, but obviously not, because he's thinking it's replying to him, it's not, it's just replying, so it's rude in a way, actually, because the, the, these birds are <laughs> having cross gardens or whatever, Anyway, so he did that. I thought, mm, I'll let that slip. That was on Friday. Uh, I think he did it again, this time to the daughter. The daughter was playing in the garden. He did it again. And the, the kids think it's, you know, he's like Dr. Doolittle. They think it's incredible. And I thought, mm, yeah, okay, that's the second time I've heard this. Then on Sunday, he had like family round because the lockdown stuff. <laughs> so he actually did it in front of family. And I'm just, I, and this was annoying me now because it's the night before exams and all I can hear is like, and then reply and then he's laughing, he thinks it's great. And then I'm just hoping that it's like, it's there's some sort of like Candyman style curse on this bloke, like where he does it five times and all he's able to speak is bird from then on. Like he will wake up the thing that... like later this week and all he'll be able to do is chirp. See, I'm thinking more like that. The birds are responding, thinking like, this guy has just made like 20 gram mistakes in a single tweet. Like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> are you okay? Well, like there's um... in-jokes with like, he's, he's, you know, being like Mr. Smart, uh, like Mr. In communication with nature. And they're just like tweeting like, you're an arsehole. Like, like, if only you knew what that meant. To... But that, to be honest, at first it was because we've all done it. I think I, my dad's done it before uh, when I was used to do it when I was a kid. 
they pretend to talk to the birds and it's convincing when you're a kid but it's quite annoying when you're trying to like study the english legal system uh it's not it's not what i needed to be honest but i i can't whistle so i've never had i've never tried that. you've never you can't, can't okay what I, that that's my whistling there right um so you've, wow <laughs> is it but it's not that hard like that's interesting i yeah i i I, I, it's one of those skills that I remember as a kid thinking I was such a lesser human for not having because everyone in primary school knew how to knew how to whistle and I was just like I was just sitting there blowing blowing air through my mouth and nothing was coming out. Um, I can't do. I've never been able just, to do. You know when people do like uh, the um, like sports singers, whatever, and they do that whistle through the mouth or through through the no, oh, not whistled it. Oh yeah, the yeah. When they, whistle, and they did that, and, when they stop a cab or something. Yeah, yeah. I've never been able to do that, and I don't understand the mechanics. Of, but, but plain old whistling, I can do. That. I mean, I, I like I can't even do anything, Ash. So at yeah, least I can't, like be, be grateful for what you have. Yeah, that's what yeah. I say. Well, you should, you'd be really impressed with this guy next door. <laughs> you think he was the shit. I, I, come, I come over to visit and he's just like and like you're like, max where are you and i'm in his lawn just like going do it again do it again. no by this point he's he will be the bird man of croxteth like there's no i've said it's, it's going to be like some sort of gypsy curse or whatever's fallen on him you do it five times you say candy man in the mirror five times or whatever and, and he will be bird by the end of this by the end of the or maybe he'll be like the uh, the bird the bird the bird lady from uh, home alone 2 <laughs> off in new york yeah. like just <laughs> just like using them as like weapons against the two hapless villains yeah. um, um cool and cool. i was good well i'm gonna ask how your week is but uh, it's it's definitely not something i think we should let slip on this show like yesterday was a fairly significant uh, day for you one that only comes around once a year, roughly. Once a year, once a year, roughly. No, yes. Yeah, so uh, happy birthday uh, for yesterday. Thank you. Thank you. Sounds like no, I, 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 Yeah, no, it was lovely. Uh, yeah, Hannah just went over and above board. Uh, just, you know, one of those things where you're, you're not, you know, like, you, you know that certain people are going to get you something for Chris, for Christmas or your birthday or whatever, and, and you kind of anticipate that gratitude you have for them when they do something so well done and so perfect mm -hmm. that actually you're kind of blown away and you don't know what to really say of it. I was, I was, I was less speechless a few parts of the day. Like, like she got me so many lovely little bits, um, which I'm really, really grateful for. But like, we went for a picnic and she made this amazing picnic for us. And then she was like, oh, I've got one more present for you. And then she was like, turn around. And I turned around, my mum and, and my dad were there. And um, that was, that was like, I wasn't expecting that. Obviously, mm. like, you know, they don't live nearby, but they, they drove there to go to the park, social distance, meet up and stuff. And that was like, yeah, yeah that I just, I just kind of like didn't have anything to say. So that was amazing. Um, and she's amazing. Uh, which is why I'm marrying her. Mm -hmm. So that's that's uh, that's a good good side note for that. But uh, yeah, so um, no, it was great. Um, had a really nice time. And then uh, last night I started watching Parasite. Uh, I finished watching Midsummer from our last show. Oh yeah, loved. did you like it? Absolutely, absolutely loved Midsummer. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think I find I find myself like especially when I'm watching something that I know Hannah will like, and you know, it wears on. Especially something like Midsummer is quite an aggressive mm. film to watch. So. We usually get like a third or halfway through it and just stop. With Parasite, Hannah was, was obviously quite exhausted from having to do a lot of like the orchestrating yeah, yeah. of my of the day. 
so um, she started dozing and I just put it, put it on just to kind of see what it was about because um, I didn't know whether it would be her type of thing. But um, yeah, I really enjoyed it, really, really. Like I, I, I got about halfway through it and I was like, I'm going to stop and I'll start it over with Hannah because I think we'll both really enjoy watching mm-hmm. it. Um, but yeah, I loved it. I thought, I think I can understand why it, why it won the Oscar. It's, it's, it's a very engaging drama. So in this episode, uh, episode number four, uh, COVID lockdown is starting to ease off, but uh, we're not going to be stopping this podcast anytime soon. Uh, we're now on to superheroes. Um, for me, it's, it's quite a favourite genre of mine. It's it's one of those movies that I, you know, I'm happy to put on chilling to like whatever i'm just like you know reading something else playing on my phone it's great watching i grew up watching all different types of superhero movies uh like you know even cartoons anime those type of things so this is like really within my comfort zone um and uh it's one of those genres that kind of almost baits the poor non-superhuman average schmo to laugh at them and and poke fun at the holes in the stories and with the recent stuff with Marvel you've got a huge kind of phantom of people trying to find nuances and small little hints of what the next movie is going to be or how the hero is going to escape the the big bad and I think we've got to remember there was a time where that wasn't well thought out and these were churned out for the lowest common denominator whether it's Gotham or Metropolis or even New York and come on let's face it it's always New York superheroes are supposed to be our greatest protectors Without a thought to the legal legal tort of negligence and property damage, they go to great lengths to cut down evil guys of all varieties, shapes and sizes. They're authoritative, recognised and accepted by the people, but more often than not, they never truly are liked, loved or even understood. And just look at them. They have all, they have all the nerdy hobbies, cripplingly dark backstories and absolutely ridiculous gear. The whole setup is just odd and lends itself well to our show. And people like us who love to hang out and point at the stupid stuff in these movies. So I cannot wait to get into detail and I hope you are the same with me. But first, let's open the fake bookcase, slide down the fireman's chute and travel down to our secret superhero changing rooms to try out our casting couch. You might be picking up on this now, how we start the show with, uh, with our little challenge. Uh, so refresh for any new joiners. Uh, Ash will pick a random made-up movie title from a Lowe's that we came up with this week. Once we've got that one, we'll work throughout the episode to come up with a genuinely compelling movie by the end. So, Ash, are you ready with your... Uh... Yeah, yeah, it's back to the... Yeah, it's. I've got half the... Uh, I think mm-hmm. it was like a stationary thing. It's half a plastic car cool. and a uh, Van Gogh uh, coaster. So I put that on the top... Uh, show up to the camera first it is <laughs> oh no <laughs> oh god it's heron man <laughs> i was i was heron hoping for, I, I was hoping for i was hoping for either like i think uh i liked the pigeon uh, wanted because obviously we we whip these up in the week and just toss them about between us. We we're hoping for the pigeon. Uh, I thought it was electricity. I was quite proud of that. Was yeah, I like, I like the, the electricity. Like the, you know, you know when they have them like like a drag name, you know, like anthrax yeah. and people like that. Bag of uh, chips. Yeah. But no, we've got um, 
Yep, Terran Man. Terran Man. Terran Man. Is there anything initially bubbling behind uh, behind your head there? Uh, Terran Man. We would probably sort out the costume first off. Uh... <laughs> My association with herons are like they're not actual, like not real herons, but like statues of herons that old people put outside their pond to scare away pigeons and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that could be. <laughs> That's his superpower. Yeah. You can have it in the yeah, like like a city on a lake, like like Venice, maybe oh. maybe Heron Man's like the <laughs> the gnome of Venice. I don't know, Heron Man. Uh, yeah, no, I think there's a lot to. No, I mean to be fair, it's, it's can got I ask the... what's his superpowers? Have you got any inclinations? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Is it? Is it? Can are herons a flightless bird? I think they can fly. I'm pretty sure herons fly. Oh, can they? Okay. Uh, heron. <laughs> I'm glad they can because if they can't, if they can't, then he's got really limited. <laughs> he's really limited. This guy. Uh, he's gonna have to. He's gonna have to be like shit hot on the gadgets because there's no way he has any natural gifts. Superhero flicks. In terms of cliches, where do you start and where do you stop? I'll tell you, by cracking out the cold ones, we think the best way to ease yourself into this cinematic trash is to treat yourself to a bit of a drinking game and, uh, and chat about some of the things that always appear in these type of movies. So Ash, what are you drinking? Uh, I'll kick off with a, a, a low hanging cider fruits, mm -hmm. if you will, uh, and go for, let, let's, let's kick it off easy. Uh, they always have, obviously, they have the set outfits, these superheroes, but they always have like a wardrobe chock full of them. So they have like a, a Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, uh, ones that have gone off to be cleaned. Yeah. Uh, there's always like a, an array. I can't remember. It's one of the, is it one of the Tim Burton? It's the first Tim Burton Batman ones. He's got, yeah, he's got it with, on, with on, a, on a coat rack. As well. yes, <laughs> yeah. It's just, <laughs> it's like that Iron Man, like if you look at Iron Man now, he's got like these models with the Iron Man suits all around him looking really like imposing. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and they're like sort of lit on like a plinth yeah, or something yeah. in the middle. Whereas in, in the 80s, you had a walk-in wardrobe. In the 80s, you just had a coat rail. Had... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking of. Um... The idea of that, though, is like, you know, the, him... Like I, the, the image that comes to my mind is like Michael Keaton's Batman just going in, just going like, shh, shh, just like going down the road. Just like, why would you need to like shift the other clothes down? They're all yeah. exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, putting them up against each other, mm. seeing if they match. He's got that machine uh, like Cher from Clueless, you know, that matches up the head and the body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, so that's, and I'll fess up now to anyone listening. Obviously, this is exciting because uh, it's it's always nice to be in partnership with someone who's really enthused about the genre and really uh, is head over heels in love with it, like Max is with superhero films. I'm quite limited on this front, so a lot of my knowledge is literally confined to Tim Burton Batman films, <laughs> which I watched as a kid. Well, I, I think I can, ex I can extract quite a lot from that, so, so we'll see how we go. Um, but yeah. Also, I'm sure Max is going to be quite an enlightening voice in this episode. What are you, what what are you thinking? Where, where are you going to take us? So I think I think you made a good point about yeah. There's always a, there's always the superhero suits, but I'm going to go to the I'm going to build on that. I think there's always the suit up moment in the movie that 
plays out, <laughs> plays yeah. out okay. insanely long. And it's like every single, I mean, it's just shy of him pulling on his like boxers, you know, or, or you know, it's just, it's just like, you know, glove, glove one on, glove two on, and, and just turning yeah. towards the camera to depth, because they can't show him like struggling to get into the, the top, because let's face it, it's not a button up, mm. he's going to have to like try and find the arms and the head hold and everything. Yeah, so it's yeah. just like to demonstrate that the yeah. top is now on, it'll just be like a shift to the camera, like standing like to the yeah. right, and then you just turn to the left to show the camera. Um, the bell's on, the bell always goes bell on. Always goes, the on. cape always rolls down if there's a cape, you know, there's stuff like that. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, these yeah, are the movies, yeah. I think what we're dealing with is we're dealing with a genre that's become a bit more commercialised, a bit more well-established as a credible genre, where most of the movies, like even if they're not the best versions of that movies, um, they're still well solid enough. Um, you go back a few years prior to like the Marvel mania that existed, you've got movies that are just churned out. Someone's got a license, and, and just to kind of keep that license, they just have to, they just you know throw out a movie that is really poorly constructed and is pulling onto those uh, those tropes. Mm. So that first one is like for me just to build on yours is is like the suit up moment where they're like revealing themselves. Mm. Yeah. I've got I mean that plays in extremely well to a film that I'm, I'm sure we're gonna come on to later. Yes. That has taken that uh, that sort of set up that trope to iconic yeah. level. Um okay let's have a think. Uh, I'm gonna go for I'm going to something a bit more less less maybe the main body the main content of the film more like a, a bit of on the outskirts in a horror film uh, not not horror not horror in a superhero film and in horror films I guess but in a superhero film the the logo will change you know like the Warner Brothers logo oh, will go black that's good. At the start, you know what I mean so so opening credits big music uh, and to be fair, some some super like the Batman films have, have really benefited well, I think, from quite good soundtracks. Um, and there'll be like a big uh, number, and then the, the Warner Brothers logo will turn black, yeah. or maybe it'll, maybe it'll morph into the super. Or it bursts into bats, and like yeah, that's yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. So 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 the uh, the the, the like the production uh, company or whatever they get they get getting in on the act as well. They're the superhero. The superheroes logo also changes as well, especially if there's been enough versions of it. It's like, you know, the mm. bat, the bat symbol, and Batman's a good example because there's been so many movies of it. Like the bat symbol has gone from like the normal bat symbol oh, to be yeah. like frozen to demonstrate like, oh, it's Mister Freeze, or you know, covered like mm -hmm. red to demonstrate, or like split or green to demonstrate the the Riddler and stuff like that. So there, there is that kind of play. On mm. I'm gonna throw, um, and it's also like I think with a different soundtrack, it could be easily in a rom com. There's always a semi-tense moment where the hero, when he's not a hero at this point, has to somehow kind of get out of a situation to get dressed up into his outfit to save the day. Um, so he might be at like a, a, a nice party, he might be with his girlfriend. Okay. And guarantee this scene will happen is what like the camera is like, like focused on the girlfriend or, or like or like someone who's speaking like uh, chatting that person's chatting and then the person turns to be like hey what do you think about this peter and just peter's gone and like, he's just like oh. and then looking around yeah, yeah. like oh where's he gone where's he gone to like you know and 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 then it cuts to him like spider-man just falls flies in and and everyone's like oh yeah. like that's is it what one of the recent Spider-Man ones. Does he does he go to see a play or something like that, or 
is who's his his piece in the Spider-Man films? What's his name? <laughs> his piece. <Anne. laughs> you can't say his piece. Well, you know, oh, Mary Jane. Mary Jane. It it's Kirsten Dunst. And Mary you're thinking, Jane. I think you're thinking of uh, of the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans, which are very old at this point. Yeah, yeah, they're the only. One. I've never seen. There was. I remember seeing. You know, a joke on Twitter a few years ago. Where it was, they had like a ration, and there was like there was one coming out of the year. I think that Andrew Garfield guy had just taken up the role, and it was like being uh, being Spider Man is just going to be like being called for jury duty. Like every, every <laughs> sort of actor and civilian at some point is just going to star in the next Spider Man film because yeah. there's so many coming out. I'd say try again. This is a smaller point, I think. Uh, maybe try what's like a really weak. I've, I've just like a, a, an IPA for this, just a half an IPA for. I'm going to go for branded grapple hooks. <laughs> That's brilliant. I love that. I love that. So you know, obviously, there's always a scene. Uh, there's always there's always play in in superhero movies with heights, heights in general. You know, falling off buildings, cliff edges, bridges, that type of thing. Um, and there, there will come a point where one of them gets shoved off and they've got to like, either they can fly, which helps, or they they can't and they've got to rely on like a, you know, like something to come out the wrist or yeah. like a little grapple hook. And you'll see, there'll be, there'll be a zoom shot, right? Where you'll see the guy do it and then it'll zoom to like whatever it's latching onto and it'll, it'll like whip round. But the, the, the thing will have the brand logo on. So it'll be like, you know, it'll have... Uh, the, the, that bat wings on it, or like the spidey thing. Or, I'm going to say, I know that I know that superhero movies aren't your thing, but like, I mean, this is rule 101. I think this is you, you need to understand what makes a good superhero brand recognition. Ash, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when they see um, that that grapple hook, they want to know it's an it's an official Batman branded grapple hook. Otherwise, there's they're no point, so you know? on top of copyright law. These superheroes, it's a joke. <laughs> That's why he's a billionaire. That's why Bruce <laughs> yeah. Wayne's a billionaire. It's not because of anything else. It's just like suing everyone who's using Batman's image and illegally. Uh, um, yeah, no, that's. Uh, I love that. I actually think that's a brilliant. I've never noticed. Was it, I was. I was watching. Yeah, you know, obviously rewatching stuff for this. Uh, come across them then. But the, the more I start to think about it, yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on. Everything is just this uh, complete, like, like this artist signature on everything. There's always an office with an amazing view of the city. So some super rich guy, either either villain or good person, superheroes, you know. Um, quite often the superheroes like a billionaire, mega mega rich, and they'll have some incredible office and a, a gorgeous view of the city. Or if it's a villain, they'll have a view of the city purely so they go. Can you see the uh, the memorial over there or like oh <laughs> see, yeah. see, see, the, see the park over there yeah you're now looking at my swimming pool <laughs> or just so just so we can point like well this is this is a brilliant thing also that you mentioned it is that the villain especially in like the old 60s superman lex luther primarily his job was real estate fraud. <laughs> that, was, that was the extent of his crimes, was real estate fraud. Um, yeah, he would be like, yeah, this is my, this is my, um, this is my law. This is like, that's going to be my new uh, tennis court over there. 
Yeah. Um, and, and so the, the villain only seems to be able to view that. I reckon he's got like a sharehold or something where he has to like, you know, he can only be in, in that office building at certain times in the day. It's like a wee work because he only <laughs> sees the building. He only sees it in the middle of the night. Like it's never like a oh, beautiful yeah. day. Like, oh yeah, you know, it's like, oh, can you see that memorial over there? No, I can't. There's not, there's not that much lighting in there. You know, and we're getting that reflection thing. I'm seeing myself more than I'm seeing what that, <laughs> that city as well. That's uh, get, get some skittle bombs in big round. There's skittle bombs for awkward conversations where someone usually criticizes the alter ego in the presence of his real life guys so like you'll be you know it could be a i don't know a charity thing or an office party or or, or whatever and someone will be like can you imagine bruce wayne <laughs> an office party? yeah just the karaoke machine in the corner uh, He's like Michael, just with the with the camera, just like getting like a crate of beers <laughs> in and just like taking. <laughs> they'll be they'll be at some sort of event. I'll be like, God, I mean, this this Batman's a real asshole sometimes. And be, well, come on, Rob. I mean, he, he, he didn't want to say that. He, you know, he's not all bad. And then he goes, No, but honestly, like he's a he's a vigilante. He's, he's no respect for the law. He's he's essentially a, a caped serial killer. I'd be like, don't. Don't be too, you know, don't, don't judge your book by its <laughs> We hardly know this guy. I mean, <laughs> there's always some sort of awkward where he has to pretend that, like, but he, he won't fully go, like, he won't be like, oh, God, yeah, he's an absolute douche, this guy. There'll all be some sort of, I mean, come on, I mean, he's, he's, he's got a great ass, this guy. You, you, you can't, uh... <laughs> Well, you know what? He told me, Rob. <laughs> that you are worth nothing, okay? You'll never amount to what your dad was, okay? We're well and truly tipsy from our drinking game, and now it's time to think about specifics. As you know, we're doing thing. We're not doing things like an academic or anything. There's there's probably far more and well known bad superhero movies out there, but we're going for ones that are close to my our, our heart, my heart, um, and with Ash and our recommendations kind of feeding into this episode. So, and I, I I feel the need to pause here and say I did not write this. Ashley wrote this, um, and so I will say <laughs> Ashley wrote this intro, um, and I'm going to say. We're starting in one of my favourite locations for superhero movies, Gotham City. Uh, Ash has Batman got you through your self-isolation. Yeah, that, that was well delivered. I, I didn't write this either. I found this script <laughs> um, in a cave. The, yeah, no, so if, if that sort of uh, cheesy pun didn't give it away, this is obviously a reference to Batman and Robin. 1999. Wow. Oh, so you think it's closer to the millennium? <laughs> I think it was a victim of the millennium bug. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, it was 97. You're right. It was 97. Sacrifice. I think, okay, it's yeah, 97. Um, so yeah, this is, I think at this point, the fifth when the Batmans were revived in the early 90s. This is, is it fourth? Yeah. Yeah, Batman, Batman Returns, yeah, Batman is, Forever, uh, and Batman Robin. And I've tripped myself up there because I've got an interesting fact about okay. that. Uh, do you know what this was originally uh, supposed to be called? Batman Forever. You shouldn't read my scripts. <laughs> I, say, I, say, I, say, I say mine. I mean, 
whoever left it in that mysterious bookshop where I found it. Um, but yeah, because it was called, obviously the, the, the Val Kilmer one was called Batman Forever. Uh, and I, I can't, I think that must have bombed as well, but the... the it actually did really well. No, it did really well. Oh, did that's, it? That's why right. like Batman and Robin was churned out so quickly. Okay, so I, I'm going to continue the the real shite pun in as well, because again, it's, I don't know who authored this, but they, they, they were a very clever bloke. <laughs> <laughs> it, begin, it begins with a cold open. Um, we <laughs> It begins with a big suit up. So just like we were necking back a few drinks before about these, like Max was talking about these, these fantastically zoomed in, really focused suit ups. It begins, I mean, this takes it right up to 11. Yes. This guy, uh, I mean, it shows them, uh, Batman and Robin, both putting on the, the leather stuff. It's very fetish gear stuff, this mm. bit really, isn't it? It's And it's the camera absolutely zooms in on the bulge, uh, the, the arse, um, the, 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 the bat <laughs> Yeah, the, the, this was like a big controversy at, at the time. I think it, it, a lot of ink was spilled on the fact that these bat suits are prominent. So, okay, so it begins with them suiting up. Uh, loads of focus on you. Yeah, then putting like these little nifty glove type things. They've got like blades coming out with them. Uh, all like the arse and the ball bulge stuff it is focused in on. But they get a call, I can't, is it the bat scene? I can't remember. They, they get a call to go to the ancient, I think it's literally described as, does Alfred come in and announce it? I, I honestly can't remember. I can't remember. I think he, um, I think they, I think there's a whole banter between Robin and Batman because Robin wants to drive a car. Yeah, there's there's a lot of that. Um, I can't remember because obviously they're going out on a, on a job. Uh, yeah, I'm talking about them like the, the painters and decorators. <laughs> yeah. here, pulled out on like, they're, they're out on a job. Um, Wallace, Wallace and Gromit's uh, like uh, yeah. um. <laughs> but they've got to go out and literally someone comes in and says uh, Mr Freeze has taken over the ancient wing of the museum <laughs> yeah and it's something like, like that anyway so they go to the Gotham Museum of Art and lo and behold Mr Freeze the villain of Batman and Robin played by Arnold Schwarzenegger kitted out in like a sort of um, American football yeah, that's, that's actually yeah, it's yeah. a good point. That actually, sort of this American like soccer um, visage, full of shoulder pads, and, uh, yeah. shoulder pads and lighted up bits. Things where you, basically the science of this guy is that you've got to, in order to uh, Mister Freeze backstory, you may as well introduce it now. Uh, is he a scientist? I think he's a Nobel winner. Like we were saying before, <laughs> he's working on a cure or something for his wife. He gets. He's in the lab, classic lab accident, uh, lab, lab health and safety stuff. He goes in this big vat of like minus 50 degree gel or whatever it is. Uh, miraculously survives, but he can only survive at these really, really ice cold temperatures. So he's addicted to the cold. Uh, and part of this technology is he uses crystals to power. Crystals, diamonds. Diamonds, diamonds, to yeah, power, diamonds to power his ice suit. <laughs> Apparently, yeah, diamonds power ice. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so uh, that was just in, just so they can have the whole diamonds is ice like pun, um, isn't it? Like that. Okay, that's, yeah, of course, yeah. Is, like, how does that technology work though? Like literally, like explain to me how you can put. And there's a scene in it later on where he, he puts it in his suit, but it's not like a, a kind of processor or anything. It's literally like 
what are those when you get a gumball machine and a little like where you put it's like yeah 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 each hole little like sort of uh, wedding ring size diamonds go in yeah almost like a, like like goldfish snacks Isn't yeah it, yeah you just dribbling goldfish them. food in yeah and somehow that like anyway so but the basic the the, the axe to grind on this guy is that yes he's uh, he's got his, his wife in cryogenics who he's he's working on a cure um he's and, and the way he's doing it is he's he's nicking all of these crystals all of these jewels or whatever He's whacking them in his suit. Uh, his ultimate plan is to hold Gotham to ransom, try and freeze down the whole city, ice up the whole city, and eventually, I'm assuming he thinks like the government or or whatever are going to surrender and give him. I think it's it's basically the most elaborate <laughs> grant proposal in the world because he wants money to finish off, you know, to find the cure for whatever his wife's got. I don't know if that's mentioned. I can't remember. But he's he's scrambling around for for money and finance and funding, and the way he does it is is to basically hold Gotham to ransom. Gotham will cough up if it's put under enough pressure, as far as I understand it. So anyway, back back to the beginning of the film. He's at the, the in the ancient wing, uh, in the the, the that well known wing in every movie. yeah the, the the ancient wing. Good period that. Um, <laughs> and Batman and Robin turn up. He's nicking a precious like I say precious diamonds, and. He's not that like the, the smaller diamonds, like the, the engagement size, like the one carat style yeah. diamond, <laughs> yeah. power his suit. But then there are these massive, oh, like, yeah, yeah. you know, there's diamonds the size of your head that he's also trying to steal. And conveniently, there's just enough for him to power his ice weapon in the movie. Like, there's there's yeah. no more. Yeah. So, yeah, he's, he's, he comes kitted out with this big gun that, again, powered by diamonds diamonds somehow <laughs> fires ice rays ice blasts yeah at people tango um, ice blast tango ice but yeah it, it's full-on like <laughs> cine world <laughs> snack machine thing this it's power um, it's just frozen power. <laughs> <laughs> it's just he's basically armed with a slushy <laughs> everyone else Batman's got top of the range, like never before seen, inc- incredible black market uh, gadgets. And yeah, the, the doctor, what's his name? Mr. Freeze. Mr. Freeze has got uh, a slushy. So, okay, his mission, like I say, is to nick all of these diamonds. Batman turns up, obviously, he's, he's, he's the defender of the people, he's keeper of the peace. He turns up, uh, played by George Clooney, in a very subdued, uh, very, very much a parody of what we now think of, a, of as a Clooney mm. performance, sort of dry, solid, sort of hard man type role. Um, but anyway, he drops, drops to the top of the museum. He slides <laughs> down uh, a brontosaurus. The long necks. Yeah, he does that sort of banister slide down this this dinosaur. I think to mention uh, now that the movie then, um, turns to the laws of physics and says no to them simply. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, it just throws away the key to the uh, to that because yeah, the, the, the hokum and the sort of fake gadgetry and fake science that goes into this is amazing. But I'm not going to slag that off too much because I think they are allowed a bit of liberty. But this guy. Uh, Batman slides down the dinosaur. Then, basically, there's a yes. hockey game, basically, from Mr. Freeze's henchmen are dressed up as hockey players, uh, all with ice skates on. Batman has 
and Robin both have ice which are which are activated by it doesn't appear that they packed when they left well, when, when they said yeah, I don't think the they realized that there was going to be an ice mission and so they were already in the car on the way there but yet they all their boots already have um, <laughs> ice skates attached to them like to cut through the the mess of the middle part of this movie um yeah let's let's skip i mean it's worth mentioning if you like to say there's this gala where there's again there's there's always a chance like batman and that. robin are getting like possessed almost by poison ivy's magic yeah like, yeah ability she makes a scene she she comes on she she's dressed as a bear at one point she undoes the bear she, she, she took that from nicholas cage and wicker man <laughs> he wasn't gonna need it anymore uh, no, no. Yeah. There's, a, there's a scene in it where basically, like, all these rich guys are bidding on on women, which is, I guess is for a date or something for charity, and yeah, they're bidding yeah. on different women, but they're upping their bids each time. So, I'll bet five thousand. Uh, I'll point, take yeah. five thousand for her, and it's like I'll take ten thousand for the, the blonde girl, and, like, and I'll bid forty thousand for the girl in the back, and it's like <laughs> yeah. this auction makes absolutely <laughs> fuck all sense. <laughs> And also, not only do they do that, but the there's the the string of girls, like you know, these sort of like mm. beauty pageant star girls, and they're all they've all just basically they've just got bikinis on and like a a, a laurel leaf in their head, mm. uh, and the guys who were bidding on them know what flower they're supposed to represent. <laughs> yes, the so, so not twenty grand not for the orchid. It, yeah, not only is it like uh, uh, the 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 bids are absolute chaotic. But they're also like, yeah, I'll, I'll, 50 grand on, on, on Magnolia over there. Magnolia? She's dressed in, uh, like, a white... She's got a white bikini on. Um, some sort of, like, feather boa or, or whatever. Mm. And, and you you can recognise the flower. <laughs> but, like, the point is, is on this, it's brilliant, because there's a scene where basically, because they're, like, possessed, as it were, with poison ivy that they she end has up... this little perfume that she sprays to which is very which is very obvious everyone's just like oh they can just see it can't they they can just see the uh the, the, the... yeah she, she blows it and, and, and i think the aim is well the aim is to to skim over a lot of plot points but but one of the the big drives is this perfume that she sprays and she seduces men is that poison ivy is there to sort of drive a wedge between Batman and Robin. Mm. So she, she's coming on to them both pretty strong. There's loads of awful dialogue about like, why don't why don't you send the, the, the junior little bird home talking about Robin? And then she'll try to uh, sort of feel up Batman and then she'll flick over to Robin and she'll be like, why don't you send the old granddad bat home? And so it, it's just this really horrible flirtatious scene. But yeah, she, she, this perfume's there to basically skim over the edges, make them forget that she could be the, an evil seductress as opposed to just this woman who likes flowers. Um, and and to, to to kick off a bit of a, a rivalry that never, ever feels genuine in this film. And Batman yeah. and Robin get into a few fights. They, they argue a bit. Robin's a bit, is always, throughout the film, it's like, well, sure, she, she fancies me, not you. I mean... And you're jealous. That, that, that's why uh, there's loads of these sort of really hacky, sort of stupid conversations in the film. Um, there's actually a brilliant this... scene. Sorry, there's a brilliant scene also to show that Batman's getting a bit weirded out by it. He's with like a, a random woman to show like Bruce Wayne on date. And it has. Oh, Elle McPherson. Yeah, and it has a classic, like always in every Batman movie, a flashback to when his parents get killed. And then it cuts, and the woman just goes, 
oh, you called me Ivy. And he's like, what? And she's like, yeah, you just called me Ivy. I'm white. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That literally did not happen. There was not a single, (laughs) that he he didn't call you Ivy. I don't know what Elle McPherson's thinking, but yeah, she's she's, she's trying to create problems there. And there's this, there's, yeah, so there's these events where, uh, one of Batman's basically that the middle film is, is just a series of Batman trying to trap Mr. Freeze. So he's, he offers up like what, like the Wayne Diamonds up for auction, hoping that uh, Mr. Freeze will read about it in the paper and go, "Oh right, I, I need to nick them." So he, he so that's what it is. it's 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 this sort of cat and mouse chase yeah. a lot in the middle of the movie. There's also then um, um, what's her name from uh, Alicia Silverstone. Oh, so she turns up. Yeah, so again, probably should have introduced her earlier. There's this. Not only do we get a host of baddies, but we also get introduced to a new goodie, uh, which is, well, she, yeah, she gets Batgirl. Um, she's Alfred Penny, what's his name? Pennyworth. Pennyweather? Pennyworth. Alfred Pennyworth's niece. And she's on the scene from Oxbridge Academy, obviously. Oxbridge Academy. Yeah, yeah. And at one point, uh, Bruce Wayne, there's this, this this really dumb scene where they're walking through the gardens and they get to know each other. And Robin's really smitten with Batgirl, obviously. So that romance is sort of on the cards. And then she's she's given this Oxbridge Academy and she says, what did you study? And, and Bruce Wayne is, comes out with Mr. Know-it-all, obviously comes out with like, hmm, I see you studied computer science at Oxbridge Academy. And she goes, how, how do you know that? He goes, it says it on your badge. She's wearing like a, you know, one of those. <laughs> I yeah. never saw that in the. Yeah, never... she's she's wearing one of those. Um, you know, you know, like a school blade, like a secondary school blazer. Yeah. Basically, she's got on. It's obviously going for this like sexy schoolgirl thing, uh, and she's got this school blazer on with the badge, and she goes, she goes, how do you know that? And he's just, he's just like it says it. <laughs> the world's greatest detective, everyone. The world's greatest detective. <laughs> just. Classic Batman snooping there. Always, always Batman 101. Always <laughs> check the blazer. So there's a fight between her and Robin. Robin goes to get, go there. He kisses her and it's a bit like, oh my God, what happened? With fake lips. With fake lips. And, he's, and, and he says, I, d- I don't even know why this line doesn't make even make sense. He pulls off these like plastic, this like film off his lip and he goes, Rubber lips are immune to your charms. <laughs> and then she starts like oh, beating him up and saying, um, she starts beating him up and then she says that line and he records it, which you don't know until the end when they show Mr. Freeze, um, so that he kind of like stops his evil plan. But in that moment, that the recording that she has is the exact same recording where the, the physical camera was recording her doing it. It's like yeah, Robin's yeah. on the ground, but somehow he's managed to get the camera like up. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, he's in that lily pond or whatever, <laughs> isn't he? And um, then her plants turn against her as well. Like they kick her into her. Lily yeah, pond. Well, she has this big Venus flytrap style throne in this Turkish bath that she's revamped. Um, that that's a lead Batman and Robin. There's a big fight there, and again, few few good lines. The writers didn't only restrict themselves to. Uh, cool ice based puns. No, 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 it doesn't stop there. It, it extends into vegetation as well because, uh, well, there's an earlier scene where Batman and Robin are both basically going, Oh, yeah, she, she's quite fit there. And he <laughs> says, <laughs> She's well, fit. Okay, not, 
<laughs> like our builders well, on a construction site. <laughs> <laughs> I take her to the back uh, cave, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, she's well. It's basically that because they say, "Oh, like she's quite fit," and then but the way they say is like, "Yeah, she has nice stems." Uh, and then Robin, Robin, or whoever says that line first, the other one will go, "Yeah, nice buds too." <laughs> Oh God! I mean, we didn't even so, talk so, about the fact. There's no type of line, but go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say when Bat, but when Batgirl turns up, Batman and Robin are having this tangle in uh, Poison Ivy's lair. Um, Batgirl comes in and sort of saves the day, and she drops down one of those dramatic things, falls through the roof, lands on her feet perfectly, and she says, "I'm going to turn you to compost." <laughs> compost. Compost. <laughs> compost. <laughs> Oh man, oh. that's poor. That's that is poor. So they suit they suit up. And one of my other favourite moments in this movie mm. when they suit up to fight Mister Freeze, who's now frozen Gotham City. Um, yeah, he gets he climbs to the top of the observatory. Long story short, he, he's he's got all the diamonds in the world at this point. He fires it up. He takes over the big telescope at the top of Gotham <laughs> Observatory and he uses it as yeah, this this huge ice gun. And it's it's a revolving thing. It's like a it pivots. So he gets the whole. Can we just explain the science of that as well? How a telescope well, is able to. Yeah, it, it, it is able to <laughs> ice a whole. Ice blast a whole city, yeah. if you like. <laughs> Tango blast um, the. Uh... What? what can I, I'll just say before I forget on this whole freezing and thawing the city. This, this, obviously, you go from he, he's, he's firing this this ice ray, and it chills all all the big skyscrapers. Get done, fair enough. Uh, there's like a sort of sniper's target thing on it where he can sort of, he zooms in. So, he could, I mean, he's way back on this observatory but and he's looking over almost like you would look at a New York skyline from the other side of like Staten Island or whatever. He looks over at the skyline, freezes it. But he's got this like sniper's zoom thing on it. So like you can zoom in, not just to the general skyline, but also like street level. Yeah. So he zooms, he's watching like cars and stuff. And he's icing them, and they're, they're all getting like uh, frosted and stuff. So the whole whole city's uh, frozen. And eventually, long story short, when Bruce Wayne finally cracks it and thaws everything off, there's this. Uh, someone's been paying for pizza, and is being frozen as the most. So that they're handing the cash over, and someone's taking the pizza box, and that they're frozen. And then Bruce Wayne hero thaws it, saves everyone. They melt off and then just continue the transaction. <laughs> Brilliant. So it's just like it's you've been frozen, you've been deep frosted, and then you've just gone, Yeah, there's your twenty dollars. <laughs> and he's he's taking the pizza, which will be soggy as fuck at that point. <laughs> well, I also love the that there's also one of my favorite Mr. Freeze Mr. Freeze puns in this movie, in that point where he's like, Tonight's forecast. A freeze is coming. <laughs> Which I love. Obviously. But also I love, um, I really appreciate the fact that, you know, the, the city's in danger, it's going to be frozen, people are going to die, Alfred's going to die. What do we do after defeating Poison Ivy? You know what we need? We need to go back to the Batcave and put on our, our bat suit hmm. with ice trim, just so everyone knows that we're fully ready to fight the uh, the monster, the, the kind of big bad <laughs> at the end. So they all come, they all like, and then somehow Batgirl already has one made for her. Um, and then she kind of comes out 
like and they've got like instead of the bat symbol being black it's now silver and there's like silver trim just to be like ice mm. ready which has no discernible from what i can see benefit of them being in the uh in, in the thing but it's just there anyway mm. um i guess long story short for on batman and robin uh it's in some respects a happy end yeah uh, and a very almost too neatly tied together well, mr freeze already because... has an antidote for the point for the disease and so he gives that batman, yeah and so alfred gets okay yeah um, he agrees that doesn't like batman uh, Bat batman batman <laughs> Bat <laughs> derek batman <laughs> <laughs> batman the uh <laughs> Just, no, no, I've I've messed that up. Mr. Uh, and Mrs. Batman. Batman. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Batman. <laughs> I remember once reading out. Uh, I went round to me when, when another set of cousins were, were much younger than they were about seven or eight years younger than I did. I used to babysit them a lot, and they were obsessed with horror stuff. Obsessed with like even for young kids, they loved it. And I used to read them out like a horror story uh, before they went to bed. And I wanted them to go to sleep because they, they could be quite annoying. And so I'm reading this story and they're drifting off. And the story was called the um, the Bunny Man, you know. So it's it was like a Donnie Darko type thing, like this this guy like would it was like a, a mixture of Donnie Darko and you know that sort of fable or story or whatever where the, the is it like the there's a ghost under the bridge and he scares the sheep. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the Billy Goat Scrub. Yeah, yeah, the Billy Goat Scrub. So it was like across this 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 man in a in a bunny suit scares people off the bridge. Anyway, I said bunny man <laughs> rather than bunny man, and they couldn't stop laughing. And then we're up till like two o'clock in the morning just laughing at that. Bunny man. I, I, I bunny man, and I'm thinking I read them the story about eight o'clock, thinking this will get them off. I can go, I can piss off downstairs and watch telly now. Um, no, they thought that was hilarious. So that that got them in the mood, and and they were up all night. But anyway, uh, so so yeah, everything it gets brought together slightly too neatly. Alfred is off the hook; he's fine at the end. Um, Batgirl's fully accepted into into like a little trio, a little bat family now. So um, she's she's sorted. The at some point does Batman offer to lease? Uh, lease it. <laughs> Well, it's huge. He, like, he needs to cut, you know, kind of like get the money somewhere. <laughs> no, but he, he needs to keep the heating bills down. The, um, <laughs> he keeps, he wants to, I'm sure he says at some point. No, like, so he, he, he sets up this thing as like, yours. yeah, well, no, I don't, I, it's got, I think him as Bruce Wayne, it's not him as, or like, you know, and also at a point where Mr. Freeze could go, wait a second, you're, you're Bruce Wayne right there. It's just mm, like, I've just yeah. spoken, he's like, as Batman, he's like, oh, I'm, I've just spoken to Bruce Wayne's enterprises and they're willing to uh, help find a cure for your wife. And it's just like, how, when did you do that? When I was freezing them? Like, what point did you actually like <laughs> find out that they were, yeah. So I think one final thing that we need to just talk about before we move on is the mm. one scene that I think is infamous in this movie. It goes back to the, uh, the the florists who are bidding on people. The oh, bat yeah. credit card. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I hinted. That That's the worst. That is easily the worst thing in this film. Because they're bidding, Poison Ivy's done that like potion, seduce them. They're completely swooning over uh, and 
she announces herself as, as an item in the auction and they're bidding. And obviously, I mean, I mean, at that point, it lets slip that Batman's got a fit, like a, a bit of a wad of cash, hasn't it? Because it, it gets up, it goes into the millions. Yeah. Robin's chipping in, cheeky get as well. <laughs> was, Everything he owns is Batman's. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. like, one million, two million, three million. At one point, Batman goes, it's not yours. <laughs> and then he, Robin just goes, what, no, you can afford it. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're, so they're bidding over. What I love is that um, there's, this, there's this bidding war that only one person is paying out for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Imagine if Robin had won. Imagine if Robin had won. He's just like, come on, Bruce. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. the chicken pins. The awkward yeah. chat the next morning. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, I've, yeah, I've just, uh, I've just refinanced the Batmobile. Uh <laughs> I've just sold Wayne um, Enterprises to Burger King, actually. So I guess we've spoken about superhero themes. We've had our drinking game. Mm. We've uh, discussed one of the pro- probably the, one of the more well-known bad superhero movies out there. Um, I'm going to take it into a direction that I think was one of the movies that instigated the idea of this show uh, way back yeah, when. Yeah, definitely one of the foundation stones of this, I think. Yeah, yeah. It is uh, a, a movie that is, is probably only known to a very small group of people um, for how bad it is, but uh, it is called The Phantom. <laughs> yeah, The Phantom is... A strange movie. I think it's it's a funny movie because it's not based on a established superhero in the same way Batman or, or Spider-Man or something. It's based on, from what I can gather, like these pulpy action comics that you would mm-hmm. get, uh, like the Spirit or, or the or the Ghost or like one of those um, one of those like things that would be in like these these pulp magazines back in like the fifties and sixties. So he's not like a minor. Marvel player, this guy or anything like that. He's. I mean, he might have over the years, like the way comic books buy characters, they'll buy characters right. like you would buy, like different brands and stuff. But I, I, from what I understand, especially when this was out, it was very much an independent story, set within the the thirties. I'm guessing from the, from the movie, and starring as the titular character um, Billy Zane, mm. um, who plays the Phantom. I mean, I think to kind of start off the movie, it's it's. It's almost like a bit of a, a superhero origin story. Um, the Phantom is um, actually a, a young boy who, during like, the 1700s, his um, his um, like father they're on a ship. His father gets attacked by pirates um, who are like the this like evil pirate brotherhood. Uh, this young boy gets swept swept ashore onto this like tropical island. Uh, gets um, like welcomed in by this native tribe and is um is presented a ring uh, with a skull on it uh, and he is now uh, becomes the phantom and it fast forwards to uh, 1938 um you've got uh, the main character played by billy zane um who is whose alter ego um is the phantom but his real name is kit walker mm. um and he is is currently like protecting this island um, like you said superheroes are very parochial and this one has uh, has kind of his beat is this is this island here um 
this is where the movie starts to kind of unveil itself as a bit of a cringe fest um, with this villainous kind of almost mick take of Indiana Jones like he's got the hat and everything but he's like horrible and he's he's like trying he's you know there's this kid that's like in the in the driver's seat with him who's like a guide and he very clownishly goes to to hit the kid but it's like such a telegraphed punch that it, 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 it and you can tell it's not like intended to be a telegraph punch you can tell that it was like he was told to try and throw a punch at the kid and the kid to dodge out of the way but it's just done like he's like you know trying to not hit the kid and it just it just makes it really like clunky um the guy the guy who's like one of the, the evil indiana jones is named quill <laughs> and it, yeah. they go they find this they they find this like silver skull in this temple um they're like great quids in um, and then some weird stuff starts happening. They start getting chased by this 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 being of the forest. The ghost who walks is what the Phantom mm. is also known as. Driving um, a pink van as well. I think it should be stated for the record yeah. that it that it's pink. Yeah. There's a, 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 a pink van that that's going down the thing. It's crossed this yeah, really rickety bridge. Very 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 Indiana Jones. They're driving down this thing, and then you you have this big tremendous moment. I think one thing we we should have mentioned in our drinking game which i think is a running joke almost of our our shows is that every time we talk about movies we're like oh yeah we should have mentioned mm-hmm. this earlier um there's always this scene in a superhero movie where it builds up to the first unveiling of the superhero like you know whether it's like batman falling going through the ceiling or spider-man swinging into yeah. action like there's this big um, big show of um of the, the superhero being revealed and um, if you were still doubting with the acting being a bit clunky and you're like, okay, maybe I can watch this. The reveal of the Phantom is probably where you'll lose all faith that this movie is a credible movie. Um, not only is it done like almost like nature is telling him that there's something troubling the island, like these birds fly, this like wolf barks, this like, you know, that the trees shudder. And then you have this like eyes, the Billy Zane's cold blue eyes going, we need to we need to do we need to act and then he breaks out of the foliage of a green and brown muddy colors of a jungle on a white horse wearing <laughs> wearing what can only be described oh, yeah. as a purple condom <laughs> <laughs> it, it it does look like that it looks like his whole body's been like stuck in chewing gum <laughs> it is the most surreal outfit i think i have ever seen it is crap it is it clings to him like like embarrassingly embarrassingly clings to him it is like this this mm. the, the the kind of way it cuts out <laughs> the, the thing that makes it is the way it cuts out around his head so it's like such a it, it's such a vacuum packed seal on on billy zane and then you've got this like little like zigzag line that cuts out his head yeah. um, on on the um on the outfit so this for some reason i don't know why this superhero of the jungle is wearing the only colour you probably wouldn't find in the jungle. <laughs> yeah. That's 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 let to be be seen. But anyway, he he kind of attacks, um, stops Quill, and Quill goes down, um, like escapes with the skull. But it starts off this whole this whole mystery. Um, so who who there's there's what's her name's in it is I was going to say Cat Dealy. She's not in it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's definitely it's not Cat Dealy. <laughs> 
That was before she did like Saturday Morning Live or whatever she used to do. <laughs> but I tell you what, superhero movie she is in. She's in Heron Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll let me make a note of that. Can't do the. Uh, no, it's Catherine Zeta Jones, isn't it? Zeta Jones, um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know who so the other to... the love interest is because, as I've, I mean, I've never seen her in anything else. Was this I think her name's, her name's Christy Christy Swanson. No, but yeah, again. No. So um, so there's obviously you've got this this classic superhero scene. You know, it happens in probably different scenario, but still happening in a very kind of common setting. It cuts to the villain, the big reveal of the villain, and and like Ashley was saying, like you know property he's inside this big imposing um office uh, building um it should be known that the love interest um like who kit walker's love interest in this movie is um is trying to investigate this villain um and if you're ever in any doubt that his name that he was a villain uh, his name is, is a dead giveaway his name is Xander drax <laughs> two x's a book ended by x's <laughs> That's a that's a sign that, that he's not a good guy. The, when you meet him for the first time, he is uh, taking. He finds out that someone's been leaking information from the library. Apparently, oh, he owns the library. And bad subplot. This. <laughs> but he he um, he's like he comes in and he's got this like old-fashioned microscope set up, and he, you've previously seen that he's like turned one of the the magnifying valve or switch and daggers shoot up from the eye hole so you know that that's what it does and he gets this guy to go in and like and he's like oh look I, i've got this really weird thing here can you can you have a little look in and, and see what's going on and so this guy like is is slowly like looking through and eventually what was what was written on it again was it Traitor. Traitor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, and then, yeah. and then the daggers, the daggers shoot. I, I don't know how that works yeah. logistically because surely the daggers are blocking your visibility uh, from stop. Yeah. From. But somehow that works. And and this guy is now blinded, screaming in his office, um, but not dead. Sounds of it. But now you've got a screaming guy in your office who is rolling about on the floor because he's got no eyes. So yeah. I don't know what Xander does in this situation. But so the the thing on that was from what I gathered from it was he's been researching, Drax has got an interest, he's found out about the mythology of this little uh, island where the Phantom lives. And it's got these skulls that make you, again, that's really loosely defined. Everyone wants these skulls, but they don't really know why. They've just got this great power. Uh, So Drax has been doing his scholarship, he's been doing his reading in the library. He's there like pumping away, doing all-nighters. And the reason why is is someone in the library, probably the guy who gets stabbed in the eyes, has yeah, leaked yeah. it to the New York paper, which I think in yeah. this film is called the World Chronicle. But it has, <laughs> yes, it, it has yeah. New York World, yeah. Um, yeah. But leaks it to that, and that is evidence. That's enough of a scent of a wrongdoing for them to think, right, he's this is the this is the genesis for some sort of evil plan fuck that go after like the accounts or go after like the dodgy deals or like you know get get like the you know go 
yeah, get get like his account book out. Don't go on his library record. <laughs> it's also like the like what is what is he culpable of in this situation yeah, that he's guilty. that he's interested in in this like mythology of this of this island and that no one's ever heard of. It's so it's yeah, it's poor that really. But they're almost like they're almost like oh, like you know, he's researching about these mystical skulls that are said to yeah. have power. You know, there's this guy in Germany who um, is you know like starting a war. Over <laughs> But, um, but yeah. no, 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 Zanza. Zanza is reading. Yeah, yeah. God damn it, we're not going to let that happen. Yeah, so there's a weird, there's a weird, like, yeah. vainly trying to make it so that there is, like, reason to investigate Xander, um, you know, but also tie it to the plot closely enough so that you're not having to go down to what Xander's been doing in his other dealings or anything. Can I just say as well, one point, like, these these goons, the, the evil in Indy and... Uh, did you see that bit right at the beginning where it zooms in on his cheek and he's got oh, a, yeah, he's a got skull, but is that supposed <laughs> to be from a punch to the... So, the, so yeah, what happens is, is that he, like, Quill comes back Quill. and he's like, it's, it's really, he says to Xander, like, I, I know this guy, I ki- I've already killed him. Like, he actually has the belt of a phantom that he's killed. And obviously at this point it's revealed that actually the boy in the 16th century who, like, was first becomes the phantom mm. is not is not Kit Walker, it's not Billy Zane. It's like that was his ancestor yeah, yeah. and it kind of goes down through the family. And so the implication is, is that Quill has killed Billy Zane's dad um, in this. Uh, and then has, yeah. and then, and that, and uh-huh. now, but he doesn't get the fact that like, oh, the Phantom is still around. Like, oh, that's really- Oh, know, right, okay. I didn't, strange. yeah, I didn't quite put that together, but I, I did note, I'll give you the exact quote that he describes the uh, Phantom though. Okay. He says, so he's talking to, to Drax and he's like, what's going on? Uh, he's like, oh yeah, so it was, so a tailor house. He, the, the, then this guy, the, there was a horse and Quill goes, and a big, strange-looking thing. Hmm. How hard is it to say, purple man? <laughs> there was this big, I don't know, strange-looking thing. Uh, just say, this bloke who had the costume that Olivia Newton-John wears in Xanadu on. <laughs> It just annoyed me that there was no need to be so dramatic, like this big, it's not like a Yeti type, it was just a bloke in a purple costume, and it's not It's, it's not so indescribable that you couldn't have just said His it. costume is like a combination of rubber and velour as well. <laughs> Good blend, actually, yeah. Because exactly in, the, in, the, in the light, you see like... The, the shadows mm. reflect like patterns on the purple. Yeah, outfit. yeah, it's a skull on it, isn't it? If it's a skull. Like, no, okay, yeah, it's yeah, a skull. yeah. But so anyway, so he's so obviously there's like Quill is is involved with Xander Drax and they're all doing collecting these skulls, which apparently is a really bad thing. When you go back to the point about his dad being dead, this is not really addressed as much. It's like oh, it's kind of you've got to join mm. the dots together, but not in a way that's like unclear I think it's you know giving you uh, a viewer some some level of intuition but he's got his like lair the phantom's lair where he's got all these books and stuff um and he and like any good superhero he has like uh sidekicks or people helping him you know Batman has Alfred and Robin the phantom has the ghost of his dad which is never really clear whether it's a ghost or a real person but you're pretty led to assume that it is a ghost and then he's got this weird like butler person um, yeah. 
who is like who's, who's healing his wounds. His name's really never really mentioned, I think. But Ashley, I think, what did you refer to him as? What did you give him? Reynaldo. Reynaldo. That's it. So Reynaldo just, just hit me when I first watched. <laughs> he looked like a Reynaldo. But it was. It's funny because it's like. There's, they do these like comical scenes where he's speaking to his dad and then his dad leaves the room and Reynaldo comes in and goes, oh, who were you speaking to? And then Billy Zane was like, oh, no one. So you, you were like, are, are you, is the dad alive still? Is he dead? Like, it's, it's never really clarified. Yeah, but yeah. I think you're led to believe that the dad is dead and it's his ghost or him thinking or visualising his dad. Anyway, Billy Zane goes back, goes... Um, realizes that these skulls are very dangerous despite them coming from the island that he's meant to protect he's only just realized that these skulls are actually yeah he's got a huge like tome on it as well he's got like that library layer hasn't he um and out on like the lectern thing is this huge big ancient book about the skulls yeah surely everything's in that yeah surely you know you should do a bit of reading on that uh just read it um but anyway, so his, his ex-girlfriend, Diana, who's also investigating Drax, is, mm. is caught by um, Catherine Zeta-Jones, who plays this, like, pilot femme fatale type woman. Rubbish character. Yeah, like, really, really overplayed, really, um, you know, unnecessary. Yeah. And overly yeah. sexual as well. And she meets the Phantom, and all she wants to do is jump his bones. Oh, and, yeah. like, all she will do is just... But Billy Zane is 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 just in love with with Diana, so he tries to save her. Um, long story short, they end up going to New York because apparently the second skull is in New York, um, and Xander uh, Drax. Who I want to mention at this point. Do you remember what Xander Tra- who who's the actor? What the name of the actor is who plays Xander Drax? I do. Uh, Treat Williams. <laughs> <laughs> I was no, yeah. Come on, I'm not going to forget that. Treat, treat Williams. Treat Williams. Um, so yeah. So moving on, they uh, Billy Billy Zane confronts Xander Drax as the Phantom. Like uh, Xander Drax gets the second skull, um, and then hightails it to uh, the the location of the third one. Can you just talk about you know the museum scene. Yes. Yeah, I thought that was quite good because they go into the museum in a natural history or whatever, and they're looking for the skull. In the ancient wing. Yeah, in the yeah, in the ancient wing. And it's it's in an exhibition that it shouldn't be in, but that, that's not really explained. The Phantom, she's like, um, the Phantom's like, yeah, we need that one because that like completes the set. And she's like, yeah, okay. I, I mean, I could have a word with the, uh, I, I'm on good terms with the, like, the curator guy. We could probably put an application in. He just picks up one of the, um, like, bollard things, you know, like, the, the rope yeah that the holds the purple rope yeah yeah so he, he picks up one of them just smashes the glass as though that wasn't going to erase <laughs> any alarms or like the police weren't going to come or whatever he takes it and literally the moment he turns around Drax is there in his face <laughs> Drax yeah and then he's got he's got he's got like a a crowd of people watching all the people who've come to visit that day are like watching it like there's like a around. school in the background I think as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah school trip uh, sort of just bored old people who have come to watch the music. They're all watching this. And Drax doesn't want to make a scene. I guess it doesn't want to. I mean, let's face it. If if this guy's library records make the headline, <laughs> he's definitely going to be like mugshot on the face of the World Chronicle if he's like caught in, in the museum doing this. So he he, he starts saying. He says something like, "I've put on free cake and juice in the next room. If you all want to." <laughs> 
it's just like, ladies and gentlemen, uh, in the next room you'll find I've laid on some Battenberg, <laughs> some, uh, some, some Tropicana in there for you. If you just want to, you just want to make your way to the free uh, comestibles. It's like a year six disco in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's just, and everyone goes. Obviously, yeah, everyone's told. And there's free juice, and then uh, yeah, there's there's some sort of kickoff, and yeah. But I, I just like that scene no, because I love, it was unnecessary. That oh, that's when he points the skulls at the map as well. Well, then, so the skulls like magnetize themselves together, and then they that's point it, yeah. the direction to the third skull. It, the movie, the, the magic and the, the supernatural element of this movie is all very convenient. It's like, oh, well, it's it's just like, well, even if you got the second skull, how would you find the third one? And he's like, well, it says here that. The two skulls <laughs> together will lead you to the third. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's convenient, isn't it? So, um, essentially, they get to... The story kind of comes to a head when the Phantom and everyone get to the location of the third skull, which is in this underwater, um, like, cavern that is convenient... Below sea level. Um, yeah, it is below sea level, isn't it? I'm pretty sure. Below sea level. Yeah. So... There's that. Yeah, not sure how... The, yeah, that exists as a if, if you know the ocean's here and your cave is below it below that shouldn't yeah okay and, and also what i find interesting i mean we'll go into this in a second so the the first thing is is that con like conveniently the location of the third skull is also the hiding place of the pirate clan that killed um the father of yeah. um of the original phantom back in the 1700s so that's super convenient um the second thing is is not only is this thing underwater but it looks like the half ruined ship of like an old old like pirate ship like that's been like yeah, crashed against the rock so again like how did that get down there and be dry um and then they've got all these like valves and pressure things, probably to keep the water out. To be fair, and it's got like a torpedo down there. They've got a torpedo nest down there, like. And yeah, it's it, but it's it's armed with like it's like a nuclear warhead, yeah. isn't it? it? It's armed with like full-on dangerous weapons. That sort of I can't towards the end. Does it get launched? Or I can't quite remember. So that's how they escape it, like the Phantom and um, Diana oh, at the end. Okay. But anyway, Treat Williams, Xander Drax, um, <laughs> ends up Treat. bargaining for the third skull. And that's when the pirate captain reveals actually there's only, there's four skulls and not three. And he's mm. like, well, you know, he ends up, I think, killing the, the pirate captain, mm. getting the, and this is another thing. You've got one silver skull. The third skull is, um gold yeah what do you think what do you think the the, the second <laughs> <laughs> i know what it is but i haven't i didn't think about the uh this incongruity to be honest when i first watched it but I, yeah the, the third one is jade but he, he's like oh yeah one made of silver one made of gold one made of jade and you're like no i'm sorry like that's not usually the the, the kind of trio That's that you'd imagine. Not how the medal system <laughs> works. Oh, you can't. That's the jade medal for you, unfortunately. Um, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure jade is quite like a milky pale green, whereas this looks like a dark. Yeah, it is. It's, yeah. This looks like a dark green. This is like a real. It looks like made of wood, and it's like painted green. Mm. And I think this. Like an olive. Green. Yeah, like an olive green. 
Um, so I don't know what jade, what kind of jade that is, but apparently. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, no. But then Xander combines his three skulls together, and it, and apparently, like all the way through, it's been building yeah. up that the three skulls, when combined, um, create a force more powerful than anything. It's, it's like so intangible, and like you, it's yeah, that is real. I mean, the whole whole way through this this journey to find the skulls. I think it's it's one of those they've just gone skulls. Ooh, they're, they're quite like a threatening. They've they've got that's a symbol with a lot of meaning. We'll just use that, but and we won't need to amend it because people bring all of their own meanings to what this skull might. Be. So it, it's just this like floating sort yeah. of symbol like that. Yeah, because at the end, if, if oh yeah, when he combines them, it forms like a like a a laser quest <laughs> style. It's just a laser beam. Thing. It's just a laser beam. It's just a, it's just a laser beam, and um, at one point he's it sort of vaporizes yeah. people, doesn't it? Like zaps them and, and they disappear. A treat is holding <laughs> this at one point, and he says, "Like um, I behold, I oh no, I I possess the power of the sun." Is that is that what they were supposed but to is this, do? Is just, that what do you mean? But it's also like it seems like the most inconvenient source of power ever. Because it's yeah. like a laser, it's, it's yeah, it's a laser beam. It seems difficult to control because there's a scene where he's trying to wrench it round and he moves it round yeah, yeah, and he yeah, ends yeah, up like yeah. vaporizing Quill or something, I think. Like he ends up vaporizing one of the one of his allies in this. So like that's just really strange. Mm. And then and he's just like and then he confronts the Phantom in the final moments of the movie, and he's like, you know what? I don't need. I don't need the th the fourth. I don't need the fourth skull. This is more power than anyone. You know that I, I can. I'll be able to. You know, become this huge, like, powerful force within the world. And the, the Billy Zane has this weird monologue where he says, like, "Oh, he was given. He was the one um, that ha he knows where the fourth skull is." And and Treat mm -hmm. is like Treat Williams is not having any of it, and he's like, oh, "I don't care." Um, and he laser beams Billy Zane and he Billy Zane has got his skull ring that he's had since mm. the beginning of the movie which um kind of connects with the laser beam and then like classic like a, a Harry Potter scene or something where there's like two power beams that are fighting for control back and forth yeah and yeah it like pushes all the way to like Treat Williams who eventually gets evaporated into ash um just coinciding conveniently with the fact that this underwater cave is now going to collapse, uh, which it probably should have done before mm -hmm. the movie even started. Um, and then, yeah, Billy Zane has to quickly mm -hmm. get into a, a torpedo tube with Diana. There's a good line here that, that I think was, was something, again, that I wish would have maybe come up or would have thought of for our, like, drinking game round, where this is classic sort of, like, this is sort of superhero, like swagger talk type thing. I don't know, like, like classic quips and things that you get in these films where they're looking at this nuclear sub, whatever that is, they're about to get in it. And Catherine Zeta-Jones looks at it and says, if this doesn't end well, she says something. Oh, yeah, she says, um, if we hit, she says something, if we hit anything, we're fish food. And I just thought, like, that sort of, like, the we're the fish food bit is really, like, talking about death in, in that really, like, sort of half comical, yeah. half sarky, half, like, heroic way. 
is really that, that that's that's a proper that's exactly what someone in a superhero yeah would say. or like a high-end action film like oh if this misses we're we're fish yeah. dude no I, yeah i know what you mean and yeah it's definitely like that and then but it just it's one of those movies that it's just so i don't know what it's trying to be and it's it ends up basically with them mm. getting to the surface and diana at this point knows that the phantom is billy zane and she's like oh can i see your face and he's like well there's only there's only one reason why someone can see the phantom's face <laughs> and he's like and she's like what well, what is that and and he's like oh well now i like she basically takes his mask off he's like well now i have to marry you because that's what um yeah that's what like the phantom that's what the thing it's just like can you just imagine if quill managed to get his mask off <laughs> just kind of going and quill and, and billy's like now i have to marry you <laughs> quill like i absolutely so with the phantom like being well and truly talked through i guess the one question i have for you yes. is how sweaty do you reckon that oh, costume is we're talking full-on fruity <laughs> yeah that's gonna be well yeah because if you remember when he when he rips it off at the end when he, and he, and he apparently whoever he rips it off in front of has to he has to marry and you know for a fact that the camera should have cut to Reynaldo weeping in his bed <laughs> you know that Reynaldo would have just been crying being like oh fantome fantome um <laughs> one thousand times have I seen you rip off the mask and never once with a proposal um but it is, so he, he whips it off and if you remember his hair is absolutely sopping wet. Now, now whether yeah, that's it's, from... Yeah, it's soaking, isn't it? No, they don't actually go in the water because they're in that little sub thing, aren't they? So it's not like he's been swimming. I can't I, remember, but it, his hair is soaking wet, I which remember. I assume is, uh, is just, it's just, it's just pure, yeah, lather. The, the, the question I have is that, like, based on its, its consistency of material, does... Do you reckon it, you know, like when you were in, in school, in like primary school, you had you used to get your, your new jumper for the school mm. year and like you take it off at the end of the day or something and it'd be like blue patches oh, yeah, yeah. everywhere. Patches would be everywhere on. So like, do you reckon that would be on like uh, Billy Zane's skin is oh, peeled yeah. off the, uh, it would just be like his, his, his body would be stained. Yeah, purple. constantly stained um, purple. I think I think the costumes are also a one-time use as well. Like as I think that you can't really like slink into that costume every single time. It's not like he has a coat. Wrap, yeah, like we talked about. Yeah, no, maybe he's. Do you reckon? I don't know how? Maybe maybe it's. Maybe Reynaldo is on always he's constantly at a sewing machine. <laughs> oh, Fantome, Fantome. <laughs> it reminds me of talking about the stained skin. Um, in my first year of uni, we had a Halloween party, and there was this guy who um, had—he uh, was dressing up as the Hulk, and so he brought all this body paint from oh, yeah. the town shop. And he was—he was getting his mates to like. Um, he, oh, some of our mates, some of his mates, were in our in our hall. He's like getting some of his mates to like um, green him up, as it were. So like greening all over his arms, down his legs. Like he went full to town, like middle of you know it's, it's october it's not it's not warm and he's like gone as gone as the incredible hulk with this like mm. bare chested and and wearing purple shorts so he's got like green on his legs green okay. on his tops and face and everything one of his mates is like oh i'm done i'm gonna wash my hands and he goes in and 
we had we had a weird hall, but we had like little sinks um, in our yeah, rooms. Yeah. Each one of our rooms had little sinks, and my my was nearby, so he just like, "Can I wash my hands?" And he's like, "Yeah." So he's washing his hands, <laughs> and he like looks down, and he starts laughing. And I came over and his hands were like stained oh, bright green, like, like the brightest green that he's used. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I didn't see that either the guy, uh, the guy basically had that, was basically like a, a pale, a jade <laughs> colour. <laughs> we found the third jade skull. As always, it's that point in the episode where uh, Ash and I decide to sit back down on our casting couch and pitch uh, perhaps the greatest movies ever made, mm. or that should be made at least. Um, this week's no different, and uh, we are now going to be pulling together the plot of uh, a lesser-known superhero by the name of Heron Man. So, Ash, any initial thoughts anything that you want to start off with as a, as a plot point. so it took me a while to ease into this one uh one i was doing a lot of costume design and clearly uh one one I, yeah i wanted to nail the key uh one aspect i guess it was more difficult for me because I'm, I'm a very 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 innocent novice level when it comes to superhero films. I know the key mm. stuff, you need a mm. backstory, a bit of a nasty guy, Dylan, so I, I can sort of piece that together. So Heron Man, um, in terms of, let's start with where we're gonna place it and how we're gonna situate the film. Mm. I'm thinking we've done, we've covered a lot of, in our past films, our, our filmography so far on the show, we've covered, uh, sort of nice bit of 90s nostalgia, a bit of early 2000s when we did disasters. Mm. I, I want to bring this right up to present day. I want to do, I want to set Heron okay. Man as though it's coming out for like a big release next summer. And we've, we've got a, a bit of a tradition on, on this show for, for not just casting your Matt Damons and your Afflecks and your mm. Emma Stones and stuff like that. We're, we're looking for true talent and we're, and we're looking to match uh, the role to the to the soul of the actor. So I want Heron Man to be yeah. played by David Blaine. <laughs> because I think Blaine's been off the screen. As far as I'm aware, Blaine's been off the screen. He used to do all of his little stunts. Yes. Uh, and he used to stop people on the street and put like needles through and all that. Do weird car tricks. Now I, I think it's time to him to shift into leading man status. So David Blaine is is uh adult it's Heron, Heron Man. Okay. So yeah, David Blaine is Heron Man. So there's two, and this is where I would like your input on this. One of them was, yet yeah, that he's kidnapped by Herons from the crib. Mm -hmm. uh, like I say, there's probably some mackerel or something around the crib, uh, and, and they've kidnapped the kid and raised him as one of their own. Okay. Or the other thought I have, I had this maybe, maybe nice little sort of gothic visual imagery in my head is that he's a gargoyle. So you, you know the way they have, you know, the, on buildings, well, obviously Liverpool's the obvious one where they've got the liver buildings and stuff like that, mm -hmm. big birds on, on top of it. Mm -hmm. I was thinking he's one of them. Ooh. In the day, he's a stone heron sculpture on the top of, I'm setting this in New York, so he's going to be on top of like one of the big skyscrapers in New York. By night, he sort of breaks, you could have like a really nice scene where like the stone, maybe the stone becomes flesh 
or maybe mm. he's maybe he's hidden in the stone. I, I'm not quite sure with this yet. But maybe he breaks out of the stone. I, 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 okay, I really like that, and I think I think that's the one we go for. And so I he's, think he's maybe... active at night. This guy basically, and yeah. I, uh, in the day, he's just part of the sculpture. So the the other thing I was working on is maybe he was like a bird feeder who got mugged. So you know the way sometimes. Uh, well, I guess like a Joker style, it's usually just like an average Joe who, yeah. because of the violent nature of the streets, he gets pushed, he gets pushed, and then finally snaps. So this guy would have been like maybe a bird feeder, one of these mm. like, you know, sort of uh, tramps with lots of seeds and things like that. Uh, and he would have been beaten up by a gang Ooh, I like that. and then I like turns that. into Heron Man, but I don't know how he becomes a gargoyle just Well, yet. maybe that's maybe that's like the spirit of I mean, that could be just the spirit of the herons have given him that that power. Like maybe oh, that's okay. just, and that's just part of that's just part of his mythos is that he just he just is able to his spirit is like c- c- contained within this heron statue, and like it's almost like his restless spirit. He wants to do he wants to like fight back, but his sacrifice is that basically he has to live as a statue, and he only comes out to actually fight back. So it's almost like him trying to find peace within okay. his like yeah 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 by being. So being Heron Man, I would say that he probably could fly. I reckon that's a... a yeah, a the limited research I've done on the Heron species shows that, uh, especially the Northwest Egret variety, are very prone to... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going there with the really in-depth method acting research okay. I do onto these. But yeah, but uh, yeah, they do fly, so I'm, I'm thinking he flies. Uh, I wonder if maybe maybe he's maybe he's a bird feeder mm. who gets one night gets mugged. Central Park gets mugged. Central yeah, Park, yeah. Beaten up, tragedy. Maybe maybe there's a commemorative memorial to the, the Heron Man of Central Park. <laughs> David Blaine, the Heron Man of Central, Central Park. Yeah, so maybe he gets put in the center. You know, it's it's a bit of a it's a it's a it's like a memorial against violence. It's mm. like. You know, this this was a nice guy, sort of down on his heels guy, feeding the herons, doing his bit for the community, uh, I guess, the bird community. Uh, and he's, like, remorselessly killed. Yeah. So they yeah. put, like, let's put a monument up. Let that be a reminder. Don't go around mugging. Yeah. And he loved so, herons. So and he loved herons. And herons maybe the is... herons, that's where they congregate. Yes. In and then Central they... Park. And then, then he becomes... Maybe he has the power and, to control herons. Oh, yeah, I like that. Okay. Like so can bring an army of herons to fight the villain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good. So he so, so he can control herons, and then at night he comes out as Heron Man. So during the day, he's like a sort of a statue uh, yeah. at night, Heron Man. Um, I'm thinking, yeah, so David Blaine. And David Blaine would probably love all of that. David Blaine would probably... Do it for free. Do it, yeah. <laughs> do it for free, but he'd probably do it as like a stunt. So, you know, he would live like a heron, he would live as heron man. So, during the film, you know, like they should, they do right, okay. Uh, d- d- day 24, uh, heron man, they've got the clapperboards and all that out. They're like, Dave, uh, just get up. We're going to do a few still shots of you, Central Park. Maybe you have some people, maybe have like a, a family a kid with a pram picnic in the background. We'll do all of this. Uh, they film it, it probably takes what an hour. Hmm. Film right, cheers, Dave. Blaine isn't moving, 
They're like, Dave, <laughs> we're done now. We're, we're going to do like a big, uh, we're going to do like the quarry ch- car chase scene. I don't know where that's going to come into it. I've left, I've You've written that put a trap plot. under myself there. Um, they're like, Dave, <laughs> and he's just not moving. And it's it's one of Blaine's stuff. So he'd probably love that aspect of it. He would yeah, do it definitely. for free because that would be, as well as starring in the movie, it, be, it could become like part of his performance or shy. So, so, okay, so we've got, his backstory a bit we've got a sense of some of his superpowers. yeah 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 um, so we've got a quarry car chasing <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll work on that um, um and um, I've who's thought, the villain the vi- well i think for, again as far as i can see superhero movies it's all about a whole city has to be brought under threat mm-hmm. and in my experience usually for a trivial reason so they're, they're, the, they're the things that are going into the crock pot here. So the one, the whole city has to be uh, destroyed, threat of destruction, but, but not for a good reason, not for like mm. pollution, poverty, whatever. It's always, so I'm thinking uh, the villain I, I've been working on is Snapshot. He's a radical street photographer who, <laughs> hear me out. He's a sort of like failed artist type guy. Okay. Uh, he's tried to enter this international photography competition, maybe say p- past five years. Mm-hmm. Um, he fails every year, gets bad feedback on the photography. Um, maybe, I, I don't know what, maybe it's quite a morbid thing. So like he's got like a, a morbid sort of Joker-esque side to him. Uh, but his plan is he wants to, he wants to, he's like a, landscape photographer maybe but he's not happy with how new york looks so he wants okay. he, he wants new york to be his model and he like models he he wants to be able to shape them and uh, mm-hmm. move them about so he basically overtakes the city and destroys part of the city blows bits up uh I, i'm thinking maybe in, in one of the films he puts new york on maybe like a like a revolving sort of um, turntable thing mm. that we can like move New York to get the angles in the picture that he wants. <laughs> so what he puts, he puts New York on a turntable. On, on a turntable. Yeah. Like a, <laughs> like an LP turntable or, or one of the things that you get in the Chinese. Yeah. Yeah. A lazy, season. a lazy season. A lazy. Yeah. So he, he puts New York on what, so this is, I mean, I don't know where he's getting the resources from. Maybe. But he's maybe he is like a, a mega rich guy mm. who's real hobby. Maybe he's one of these like um, failed, you know, the way like the dad is is being the billionaire genius. Yeah, he's yeah, left it to that. the son, but the son's he's the son's an artiste. Like he's yeah. a bit of a, like he, he's not interested in financial markets and all that shit. Mm. He wants to take landscape photography. Mm-hmm. So he wants to take these perfect shots of New York, but New York's not good enough for him. So he has to get it on the lazy Susan. He has to blow up the, the he has to blow up like the skyscrapers and stuff because that's that's the way he wants his pitch, his photography to be. I've got a great scene in my mind of Go like uh, Heron Man, like near the end, big before the, the uh, you know after the quarry car chasing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Just before he fights, uh, when he fights a snapshot. Snapshot. And yeah. like yeah, it's a snapshot. It's like the middle of the night. Snapshot's getting ready to, to take his his magnum opus, but it requires blowing up a bunch of buildings. Yes, that's and then it, yeah. he just has you know he says, "Hey, are you ever into bird watching?" 
and then the heron man comes out and just like lays him flat like like when the fight starts <laughs> yeah. so so one of the one of the sort of climactic things that i was thinking of is that remember obviously heron man during the day is is a sculpture i was originally thinking like a gargoyle thing mm. maybe snapshot wants to blow up one of the buildings that Herriman's on or maybe he wants mm. to blow up central park or something like that maybe he wants like a, a nice maybe he wants like a big urban war scene or something like that so he's yeah, like, yeah, blow yeah. up central park and then i'll yeah. take i'll be on me uh, you know me kodak and take mm. a picture of it um so he's gonna blow up central park but obviously Herriman during the day is a statue yeah, so technically he could kill Herriman provided that the the photography shoot takes place between say dawn and <laughs> dusk and dusk exactly so between dawn and dusk snapshot has this window of time where he's planting the bombs new york's rotating at this point um and, and, and there's a tense scene where it's like a few seconds earlier heron man will just be a stone sculpture that's get, that gets ransacked like the rest of the park whereas you know five minutes after which one's dark which one's dusk dusk is in there yeah dusk is in there yep. so five minutes after dusk has turned Herriman comes alive snaps the camera in his talons um I, I i was gonna i was gonna throw something else out like because it's always good so i reckon it's gonna be like has he survived type ending a bit like you know in the joker movie there's all the uncertainty like you know is it what's happened at the end like there's a oh could there be a sequel or could it be a standalone thing yeah 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 so heron man is fighting snapshot in central park the fight's going on the sun is rising so you know like he's not got long okay oh, yeah Bombs exactly yeah, yeah 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 and then and then and then okay so he's fighting like like zip bang what works like you know snapshot's actually getting quite beaten up now but like yeah. he knows he, at this point he knows that heron man is going to turn into so he just knows he just needs to weather the fight really and just mm -hmm. like last him out and then he can blow up the thing and then her like you think heron man is completely and uh, like ignorant of this and like what are you doing heron man you're going to like be caught off guard and you'll be end up being destroyed new york will be destroyed but it's revealed that as he starts turning back into a, a statue and like you start seeing like yeah. his arms going to like, oh, like yeah, drums yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. He's like, and then he's like, he he kind of does it in such a way so that he turns into a statue and like he says some really kind of cool quick line like to, you know, to um, to snapshot before he does. Like his, his face is the last thing to go. It's like the, the statue, the metal is like changing over his face. And then he, he kind of says some cool quippy line to snapshot turns into his statue and then falls on top of snapshot like trapping him as the bomb is going beep, 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 and then blows up so like oh, you've got brilliant. this like you've got this sacrifice but then you don't know whether you know like because it's never explained what happens if his statue is destroyed is heron man destroyed like he, you don't as he know. falls over maybe he accidentally nudges the camera the last photograph is just a selfie of um snapshot being you know sort of dry humped essentially by the, uh, <laughs> by the statue of heron man. by the statue of heron man the bird feeder mugged in central park and then and then oh no this is it this is absolutely we've, we've got we've got the opening to the sequel now because what we do is is that in the like in the in the epilogue you've got the city thanking heron man for a sacrifice yeah and yeah. to commemorate him they have built a statue of heron man oh, another and one. the love and the love interest is like, you know, there and she's like, obviously she goes there every night hoping 
that he will be transformed back and then it doesn't happen it doesn't happen and then she goes away and you just see like the stoic face of heron man just the metal just goes into a smile and then it ends and then you're like oh yeah there's definitely gonna be he's around stone mouth moves just a very gentle painful stone bird noise and then it just goes heron man will return yeah yeah so i'm thinking yeah so okay so that that's the general heron man bird feeder mug so he's the victim of violence uh snapshot do i mean snapshots backstory oh i'm i was thinking at one point he turns the hudson river into you know that developing fluid that you need for for, uh, photographs Let's do it. Let's do he it. He does that. Right. Maybe drowns people in them. Who yeah. Okay. Um, and then Heron Man is flying and saving them from falling. There's got to be a bridge collapse at some point because that's yeah, because 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 the city rotates. The city so the rotates. bridge comes unhooked. You know, the bridge yeah. is like forced to um, collapse. Yeah, and maybe his love interest, played by Cat Dealey, is <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. His love interest, played by Cat Dealey, is uh, going to. She, she's like a property something to do with property i reckon because she's then realizing oh wait a second these buildings are like for some reason like getting renovation work when they don't need renovation work and uh, that's the explosive they're planting all the bombs i say oh yeah, yeah, so yeah maybe like the whole film is like a build-up to because maybe in my head i was thinking like he's blowing them up as he goes you know to, and he's taking shots maybe the whole point is no suspicious building works are going on throughout the mm. film because the, the the final half hour climax is the fact that the whole city's going to come and he's going to get like his and that's where and so so heron yeah, man yeah, ends nice. up heron man ends up responding to a break-in in one of the in one of the scenes yes so does the love so does cat dealey and so cat dealey and heron man meet Brilliant. in this thing that's how they start to like kind of or maybe he's like saved her from a mugging in central park earlier but she yeah, didn't know yeah, what okay. happened and now they meet again no, and I so like the fact that there's, you know, maybe she's got keys to this property. The suspicious activity, maybe a, like a, an alarm goes off one yeah. night. She sees it and uh, uh, decided to go down there. Herriman's obviously always alert to, to crimes. And yeah, they both tackle the the people who were putting explosives. They find the explosives and they start to piece like this wider mystery of who's this evil property. And so, and then, and then we've got it. I've got the connection now. And so then it's the, and so that's quite cool because you get a bit of gender balance in there because then you get Cat Dealey in the day when Heron Man can't come out doing a lot of the heroing and then Heron Man doing stuff in the night. So you're not just leaving it to the guy. And so Cat Dealey in the day goes to, like she tracks one of the leads down um, because the the goons have like um, ID uniform for like a quarry outside of new yeah. york and so she's nice. like what's going on so she goes to the quarry in her little like ford fiesta and um and like finds that he's like that snapshot has built this like almost replica of new york in this quarry oh. which is like he's almost testing it out like that it's a mini good and then there's yeah, a car yeah. chase there's a car chase through the quarry um with a bulldozer instead and then the, the sun is setting at this point and then that is like you know How she's, about like, the car down. chase takes place in the mini new york in the mini New York, yeah. So like, so that like the car chase is happening through this. I mean, we don't need to go into scale here, but the in, in the two to three scale of New York. I know because that that would be 
But like, no, regardless of that, what will happen? Maybe not. Maybe it's it's a smaller thing than that. But maybe when Heron Man comes, because it's now nighttime, and Heron Man flies in, he's fighting one of Snapshot's other goons. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't know who it's going to be. Let's let, let brainstorm that in a second. But then he's fighting in like a miniaturized New York, and he's like getting the oh, Empire State Building. Yeah, and, like, that's so Using good. it yeah, as, yeah. as a spear yeah. and a weapon. Yeah. And then there's a conflict there um, within. Yeah. So that, that's that's where they figure out. So maybe, yeah, they, they're chasing, they're seeing these bombs be installed. They know that something's up. They finally chase it down to this quarry. So they, that's when they get this inkling that the whole of New York is a threat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like that. There's, yeah, loads of fact. That, that would look brilliant, actually. Just this, this like, stone replica of New York being thrown and tossed and people getting, like, smashed into iconic buildings. Um, yeah. That would make yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Snapshot. Do Snapshot, do Herman and Snapshot have like a a tense encounter before the big final Central Park fight or? Yeah, so I reckon, I reckon, this is my thinking. Snapshot, when he started planning all of this, he beforehand, so like, I'm not thinking that Herman became Herman, you know, two days after the statue was put up i feel like it's mm. like the ongoing frustration in the city ends up bubbling over and creating him oh, um, that's good yeah. you know almost like there's that thing and then but what you have is in a similar way to joker you don't have heron man being killed by like some before he's heron man um to stay with blame being killed by just some some thugs you have him being killed by like rich like businessmen of which snapshot is one of them and his dad has just died say he's like dad has just died at this really? point he's like frustrated angry because now he's got all this responsibility on his like thing he ends up beating up and killing heron man and then by the time he's just like, run out of the film so yeah he's just out about that. or no no or, or no i know the guy the, the bird feeder man ends up getting all these birds to flock to him so he can feed them and one of them's a big heron which blocks the blocks the shot of New York, like one of his perfect shots, yeah, like yeah. lifetime shot of New York that he can get. And he gets he just goes mental and starts like Patrick Bating Bateman him, like <laughs> just like you know, like absolutely giving him one. And then that's how Heron Man dies and becomes Heron Man. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, so snapshot, maybe maybe like a younger, cockier snapshot yeah. is 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 one of the killers. So that was so bad it's good we hope you enjoyed our adventure through superhero world uh, some of the, the cringe inducing moments laughable scenes and uh, awful awful puns before we we split uh, we wanted to give you a bit of a uh, update uh, on what's going to happen next episode so ash so we're still rattling through genres and we've been going we've been going full pelt on like the real high-octane stuff recently through action and disaster. So I think we're going to have a bit of a more relaxing week, I guess, next, Max. We've got sequels. Yeah. Uh, so we've given ourselves a board range there. So maybe it's probably the most malleable episode that we're going to have up to date, episode five. Sequels, we've definitely got one in mind. But rest assured, there's BGs, there's Travolta, there's dance sequences, there's Broadway shows called Satan's Alley. There's, there's loads of stuff in, in sequels, which we're looking forward to getting into. 
so yeah that's uh that's it for this week um as always please uh do like and subscribe uh follow us we're on twitter at sbig underscore podcast we're also on instagram um i'm with the same hat at symbol um by any means we'd love uh you to kind of tweet us and let us know your thoughts on the episode let us know how you think uh, we're going any things you'd like us to see or chat about um and until then we look forward to catching up with you next time <laughs>